Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Simmer down with John Simpson. Brady Kachuk with the tip. His 100th goal in his 300th game, and it's a Gordie Howe hat trick to tie it. The sickest Ottawa Senators podcast. It's going to be sick. Well, it is high noon, and if it's high noon, it's going to be hockey talk. And if it's going to be that, it's going to be a little simmer down. So a little simmer time here. I'll call this, at least as we talk about high noon, kind of the calm before the storm. Otto is bracing for what could end up being our first major storm of the season. So, hey, enjoy whether you're listening live, whether you're listening later, but more than anything, be safe. Whether it be in the Ottawa area or other areas, a happy Tuesday and a very quiet one in Sensland as they hit the ice on practice about an hour and a half ago but not a ton going on until they play on Friday, of course, against the New York Islanders. And as always, I'd like to welcome in my good friend, Mr. Justin Murray over in Gatineau. Are you bracing for the storm, brother? Yeah, I was looking forward to uh, a bunch of NHL hockey tonight. I looked at the score and then all of a sudden it was Wednesday and all the games were on and I was wondering what the hell was going on. But it uh, <laughs> would have been nice to sit in the snow and watch some hockey, but uh, I guess we're not able to do that today. Yeah, what a, what, a, what a weird schedule, right? And it's and most of this is geared crazy. around, I'm assuming, in the United States. I, I don't know what the hell's happened on Tuesday, yeah. Justin, but obviously it's American Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. A lot of teams have gotten a hold of playing on the Wednesdays. Uh, I know in the Caps back in the day, that was actually a fun game because that is, in the United States, as you know, the biggest holiday of the year. And a lot of people, a lot of kids would come home from, from university, uh, watch the old game on a Wednesday, celebrate with the family, you got the three football games on Thursday. And I love the way that's set up as a weekend, right? You'd have Friday just to hang out absolutely do nothing maybe and for a lot of people kick off the old christmas shopping but i I think they got it right when it comes to the old thanksgiving holiday in the united states the way they set it up no it's good it's just frustrating that there isn't you know a few games and uh, like i always complain about the nhl schedule you know some days they have five (laughs) games on at 7 30 and nothing on for the rest of the night it's just it's funny how they do things um i get that there's 82 games so it's hard to uh have something good every night but i mean Tonight would be a, a perfect opportunity to have a few games that, uh, you know, nothing else really going on. But I guess uh, basketball will be the sport of tonight. Yeah, you'd have to make a comparison. I've never really gotten too wound up in the schedule. I look at individuals and from a TV standpoint, I know where people even on the weekend talking about the games in Sweden. Why wasn't that an international or national festival versus kind of a regional thing? Mm-hmm. I kind of looked at the people that were involved, but still having said that, yeah, I was pretty surprised from a National Hockey League standpoint. I think one of the things that's happened though, Justin, is we've become so conditioned by the National Football League and the perfection that they have when it comes to schedules where, you know what we're going to give you? We're going to give you a Sunday night. Then way back in the day, we're going to try a little Monday night football. Then we're going to go to Thursday. What they turned it into was destination TV. And when it comes to that, this is the part. And I always kind of laugh with people. I understand how you're getting so upset, but the national hockey league is plug and play. There are a million sports in the, in the United States that are bigger than that, including anything to do with the NCAA in some areas, cornhole might even be bigger. So when it comes to these regional schedules, trying to think that here in Canada and we're hungry for hockey on a Tuesday night, I can't really explain that one from that standpoint, but no. it's just not the same. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the teams, it's quite simply a regional thing. It, forget about this national and this is a showcase and this is what you want to see at the end of the day, Justin. No, the Florida Panthers have a completely thought on when they're going to play games to the Washington Capitals, to the Ottawa Senators, to anybody else involved in the National Hockey League uh, as far as what is the appetite, when is the time to play home games, and I guess more than anything from a TV perspective, when is the time to play some of the road games? Yeah, I, I mean, I just, I guess... I, I did read a thing that most of the NHL arenas were not open to having games. Uh, They're like pre-scheduled, but then, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. all, the four teams that went to Sweden probably could have been playing tonight. Had they not been in Sweden, let's say, yeah. you know, it's just a weird to have Sweden a week before American Thanksgiving mm-hmm. too. Um, but I guess maybe that's because the break. So uh, it's not yeah. the end of the world by any means, but no. uh, I just think on a night like this where there's no football, nothing going on, <laughs> you could have a couple games, you know, have two good games, one at, yeah. one at seven, one at nine. Yeah. And yeah. uh, and then let the people enjoy the game. Yeah, and, and as I said, in the United States, not the way it works. Now, I'm, I'm, from that standpoint, you've got Minnesota and Ottawa that have their own building. Of course, the Leafs, a very busy building, sharing with the Raptors. Have have the uh, are they sharing now in Detroit? Have are the Wings and the basketball team sharing a, a building? Do you know? I'm not sure. I'm not sure to be honest. Yeah, I, I've heard that rink is just absolutely 
Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, anything um, would be better than the old Joe Louie, right? I mean, yes, that, that is, I'll yeah. say from a Stouty standpoint, anybody that ever been there, first of all, this is the part of with hockey. I'll say this is that when you're winning, it doesn't matter. When you would yeah. go to New York Islanders game, when they were a shit show, it was like you walk in and it feels like it's empty. Now, when they had a pretty good crowd, there was a lot of fun. You'd go into Joe Louis arena. It was like going into someone's basement. I've never yeah. seen a team. I, I think they were even selling some of the under jocks. They were probably selling used underwear, whatever it could be. Did it looked like on the uh, on the concourse there, they'd have all these sticks and just a big rummage sale, but it didn't matter. It was a full building. It was great hockey. Press box, they forgot to add. When, and this has happened a lot. I think it happened here in Ottawa with some of the escalators. Forgot to put in a press box. That was added after the fact for most scouts. was a big old walk to try to get into that thing and not very yeah. comfortable. But at the end of the day, sure, you want the amenities. You want all the great things. But what matters Good old winning. Yeah. You get some nope, winning, exactly. then it ain't going to matter. And, and the amenities, yeah. I understand now for the big corporate people and things like that. And also for Mr. Illich, it was just a vision to try to improve Detroit. I mean, he had wanted for so long before his passing, put the baseball stadium there, ended up putting the new arena. And I haven't been to Detroit for a long time, but that obviously used to be a bit of a hellhole. So uh, probably improved a yeah. little bit here now. They, they do play together. And yeah, from what I was told that that arena, they basically went around to all the top arenas oh, yeah. um, and stadiums in the world and just kind of took pieces from each and just kind of put it into one nice, uh, great Great stadium. Yeah, it's actually really cool in doing that. When the Caps, when we built the building in Washington, I had the opportunity to tour around some of the ones I went to, and they were actually basketball-related. One was Orlando. The other one was Phoenix at the time where the Suns played. One on a tour. What was different then, and of course the Coyotes ended up going there first, Justin, it's the Octagon, right? So that sight line is so incredible for basketball, yeah. but cuts off half of the hockey rink. But you're right, and this is just like building a house, and this is the part of, and when Ottawa did it, you know, here, the big thing, we're having suites, right? You're going through and you're building all the buildings. You're trying to be cutting edge. And just like building a home, the minute you build your home, then somebody all of a sudden open up theirs. And two stories to that. I'll never forget when the Sky Dome opened in Toronto and people are like, my, oh, my, this is the most incredible building, you know, state of the art. Then all of a sudden, I'm living in Baltimore, poor old Camden Yards, and not poor old, but poor old Sky Dome. Camden Yards opened up and all of a sudden it was like, Oh man, the concrete jungle. You had Jacobs Field. All of a sudden, I think the uh, the White Sox ended up opening it, and you it was like, okay, this is obsolete. And then the other one that's hilarious was back in going to the Tampa Bay building, Justin, when it was being open, it was so far behind. It was out of yeah. budget. Nobody had any money. I remember we went for there for a game and underneath, which you couldn't see from a fan's perspective, they had to get it open. It looked like Home Depot. Like when you went underneath, it was like walking around like, okay, I'll, I'll take that for mile two. I'll take that. And one of my favorite stories, and this is how the world works. And now somebody's sitting out there as a genius. What happened in Tampa Bay is that they had the one end where it was sitting there and they had run out of money. And so all of a sudden they're like, well, we've got this whole empty end. What are we going to do with the rink? What are we going to do? Well, they decided, you know what? And this is a little bit what the Red Blacks did a few years ago. They ended up putting up seats and they said, we're going to call this common space and we're going to let people watch the game from here. Now, what does everybody want around the National Bar. Hockey League? They want common space, Justin. Yeah. They want exactly yeah. what the Tampa Bay Lightning did when they ran out of money. So it is neat, as you said, how you can travel around. And I think it's a great idea, as you said. Like when you go to a game, we were spoiled working with TSN. You had the little set area. I think there's nothing better than just being able to congregate around, right? Hang out and talk versus being locked yeah. into a couple of seats, especially if you're in the middle of the aisle. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I mean, you know, so it's Ottawa's a small city. There's so mm -hmm. many people, you know, going to the games and that. It's it's <laughs> nice to just be able to tour around and see people, um, and then get to your seat if you have if you want to watch uh, the game more uh, in depthly from there. But uh, it's it's always a good time. That fan deck's great. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it it just really changes the atmosphere. Um, people uh, enjoy to have a pint every now and then, so it's uh, <laughs> nice and easy there. So yeah, yeah. Do you do you ever find when you go to a game that you feel like you've actually watched or scouted it? Because I'll say this: is that when I've worked the games, we're in the little TSN set. It's a great spot. It's a Saturday night. I watch. I don't find watching from there is the same as watching at home or necessarily scouting a game where you completely focus. But I find on most nights. If you go with your friends and as far as red blacks and again, yeah. different appetite for the CFL, off. it's just social. 
social, right? And yeah. from an NHL perspective, there are a lot of games that kind of walk out of there like, okay, I know the score. I saw some of the plays, but from an angle standpoint and where Club Bell is, great spot to watch a game, but I hate scouting from there. So there were lots of games you kind of walk out and be like, well, what the hell happened? Better go back if I got a little talk show at 6 a.m. where I better yeah. kind of review <laughs> and sound like I know what I'm doing, right? Because as you said, in Ottawa, then you're part of the legendary Murray family. And I think we're all part of a yeah. small community here. You're going to run into everybody and their brother. No, exactly. So it's, it's sometimes tough. Um, you got to really, really focus if you want to do that. Um, <laughs> and, but it's what I do find, like, you know, I used to, when I go to games, I'd be sitting up in the, in the box with uh, Brian and my yeah, dad for sure. Pierre and, that, yeah. and, and you're just so high up. So you, you read the game very easily, but you sometimes just forget how fast it is and how uh, those little, little movements um, change, yeah. you know, and make good players. Um, just the little fakes to, to get a pass through or a little fake before a mm -hmm. shot. Um, you don't see those as well. And, and it's nice to kind of get a bit of both. Um, yeah both uh, viewing points. Yeah. And, and I always found that a you know, scouting standpoint, if you end up going to a game, I think way up top as a scout, sometimes you're kind of sitting there and you're supposed to be getting information as a professional scout. I guess you get that, but there were yeah. times watching it and I'll never forget Lou Lamorello, the old building there. They had the lower press box. And if you didn't like you or didn't like you as a scout, you went to the higher press box, which was literally, literally on the roof. Like you had to walk through, there were guys, there were the lighting system, camera system. You had to walk through and it was like, listen, I might as well be home. Not to to mention it was probably warm well it would have been warmer in my home to end up doing it but yeah. i thought that and the other thing that was hilarious with lou i love to walk down wanted to be across from the benches but i'd like to sit at the lower level be able to kind of see what's happening and from a sense perspective that's probably where the owner's box used to be uh, where the ctv box is you'd sit there and then all of a sudden you get a tap on the shoulder if you're in New Jersey and be like, Lou saw that you're not sitting in your seat. <laughs> I'm like, how would Lou, I know. And, and then the other one yeah. in New Jersey, and this might've spoke to my wardrobe. I don't think I ever got asked more times where my seats were when I was in New Jersey, when I'd be walking around people were like, Hey, I'm like, listen, those that's deep purple that they're wearing. Come on, man. Yeah. You got to be able to tell that I'm not an usher. I'm not looking like I'm working <laughs> in the movie theater. But I, I always loved in the different buildings trying to move around, trying to scout. We have not addressed and talked about Justin, but what's your thoughts on uh, the habits of the Ottawa Senators, where the building is at, Lebreton Flats, kind of big vision, and I guess just the overall yeah. state of the CTC. What are your thoughts? Yeah, from what I understand, they definitely want to come downtown. Um, I don't think they like the LeBrenton deal that was signed, um, but I think there's room for negotiation there. Um, yeah. So I think it's either probably in the D&D area or uh, right right in Centertown. I, I, there's some government buildings that you know might mm -hmm. not be used. If maybe they take those down and build the stadium right there, so it's almost like a, like right in the heart of downtown um with mm -hmm. that that would be very interesting because i mean yeah. that is a busy used to be a super busy area during the week and now it's you know maybe half as busy it's coming back a little bit um mm -hmm. but that could be a good option to you know use up some commercial real estate get rid of that and then put in the building um so i think there's like three options that they're probably looking mm -hmm. at from what i understand um i mean i live at zibby the brenton flats would mm -hmm. be pretty cool anywhere mm -hmm. around here would be pretty cool um I guess that land, you know, is not really being used to its full effect. And then with the whole uh, rail system there, that doesn't work yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. so it, it needs to come downtown. Um, it's too bad. Like what I would always thought is Canada, it's sure it's not optimal, but had the, mm -hmm. had it been in like Centrum, it would be a lot easier to withstand because even if, now if you're there, even to go to a bar after, you have to get mm -hmm. into a vehicle. At least if, oh, yeah. if, if the arena was in Centrum, you have your buses there, you have your all your bars and restaurants that people could flood out to where they want to go and it doesn't become as much of a traffic nightmare uh, as it is now. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the team needs obviously needs to get downtown. Um, yeah, I no, and would. I agree. And, and you go through the different, when you talk about the DND, are you talking about the property next to the Rideau Center? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, I, that, that to me, my God, if they could ever fit that in that yeah. foothold and yeah. do something like that. And then people will talk about parking. Listen, forget about that. I've been through all these different scenarios. I remember from Washington, D.C., the building. First of all, it was a hellhole. People were more worried about going from a safety standpoint. But you always hear this about traffic. The footprint that I'm always amazed when you're in the building versus out of the building, Justin, ends up being Montreal. I yeah. can't believe when you're outside that that's a building, like the size of that, right? So yeah. you look at the footprint and you look at the DND, what that would do. And I think Mark Sutcliffe is very, has a vision of, I first of all would go to LeBreton Flats because I know when he commented, hey, that isn't necessarily downtown, 
But to be quite honest with you, when you look at what that would do as far as to Quebec, to the Ontario side, what it would do all the way up to Little Italy, everything that would go on there, it would transform the city. But if you could slide it into the DND, you talk about changing. And I would imagine, and you're on top of it from a real estate standpoint, wherever this goes, but if it was ever to go to the Le Breton Flats, my God, that part of the Zibby and everything, it's going to be a game changer. So I think it should happen. But I will say this, DTC, and to your point, and this is unfortunate where Ottawa's never had any vision or planning, what you just said right there would have been perfect sense. Imagine all that built up around, and right now, I still think it's a pretty good building to go to. It's not the end of the world. The question would be from Anlauer's standpoint, and I think he's got a very favorable group in Mr. Sutcliffe locally, but when it comes to the provincial, comes to the federal, I'm wondering from a financial standpoint, after dropping over a billion Canadian on a hockey team, how much are you going to have left to turn around and build a building? So we'll see what happens, but for right now, we'll uh, focus on the CTC and we'll focus on the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, uh, and what country, we want to do today. country night there on, uh, on Friday, I think. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, Jade Eagleson going. So, yeah, and I, I got to say, from a country standpoint, music. I, I was uh, growing up. My father always he's a good old Alberta guy uh, from Peace River. So we listened to a lot of the old school uh, Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard. You know, di- yeah. different sounds. Wayland. You know, yeah. Well, yeah, no, I loved it. And I, and I kind yeah. of even as I got old, not that Gordon Lightfoot was or or uh, some of the other Roger Whitaker, but there was this background music. And then when I turned pro, a lot of people at that time were listening to Randy Travis. Yeah. Uh, that became <laughs> fairly popular, but it was Darth. just kind of transforming, right? It was just yeah. coming from country music kind of into the pop music. And then all of a sudden now, when you go to Blues Fest and you listen to country music, it's just like a good old rock festival, right? Not yeah. to mention, I think we'd all agree that the country music people know how to party, right? I, I mean, when you go there, yeah, you're having a hoot. And how, how was the concert on Friday? It was outstanding. He sounds the yeah. so John party. He sounds the exact same as he does on... Uh, I say CD, but on like on streaming or whatever, you know, an album. Um, I, say, I, I say on my tape cassette that yes, I have. Yes, exactly. So we got to do by our, by our, how old we are as exactly. to what we're listening to, what platform we're listening on. Exactly. So, yeah. so it's good. Like it's, um, yeah, it was, it was very good. I mean, it was yeah. 5,000 some people. He could play bigger stadiums now. Uh, no problem. Yeah. Um, but it was good. It was a lot of, a lot of people like same minded people there having some fun. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of things over the weekend. And first of all, shout out to Ian Mendez, who we've had on a couple of times. But I think you can see from the athletic. And one of the things that has certainly shifted in the Ottawa media market has been with Ann Lauer coming over, uh, the money that the athletics put in. And Ian was the only reporter that ended up going over to Sweden. But some of the insight and some of the takes he's getting, the sit-downs, even flying over to talk to Stutzla. But these moments, as you know, in the season, Justin, some great work by Ian where it's a little relaxed. We know once the season goes, and we'll say from a sense perspective, perspective once you get to december there's not going to be many of these sit downs unless all of a sudden they're on a 10 game winning streak right so that portion of has been great and one of the interesting things and i'm sure he was fired up he was excited was the thoughts of what the ottawa senators will do in the future as far as going over to europe what they may look at and i know they're absolutely flying high right now they feel good after a couple of wins justin i do wonder both on schedule and everything else how will they feel it about a month from now? But what's your thoughts on the Ottawa Senators and kind of some of Mr. Anlauer's comments about uh, future trips to Europe, which I think most people point to in the obvious being, hey, listen, wouldn't it be so cool to end up going over to Germany and being able to celebrate uh, a Timmy Stutzla and play like that? Do you want to see the Senators go back next year, Justin? Or, yeah. hey, let's go a little slow here. I think, I mean, listen, I think it's the perfect opportunity. I've been pretty vocal about the German market i think um so I, I definitely think they need to get over there uh somehow um mm-hmm. would i do it the way they did it this year hopefully not i think if you can mm-hmm. get over there a little earlier play some games um and then kind of have a break and then just dive into your season and then hope your season uh, mm-hmm. schedule looks more like a regular season schedule by the other teams i think that would be mm-hmm. the most optimal um but that said you know they get five day break here um, they're really not going to be too, too far behind on games played because of, you know, today and then, and Thanksgiving mm-hmm. weekend. So, um, yeah, I think, I think they got, got to get over there. I think, uh, Edmonton, uh, Detroit and maybe Chicago, 
would be yeah, good. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, from that standpoint, I mean, the obvious would end up being Edmonton and Ottawa, other yeah. ones. Now, the more Masai, you run in, yeah, you know, for sure. Because, yeah, for sure. and Bedard, yeah. if they had a, a, if they counted as road games for Chicago, yeah. that, that talk about growing the sport, you'd have some big, big names over there, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Canadians and Germans. So, yeah, the only part of that you, you run into when it's singular like that, you worry about any type of injury and a missing, yep. but it would still be a big sell. Then you look to yourself, hey, could you tie it into Oktoberfest? Can you do some different things? As you said, I, I would up. like to see what's that? Sign me up. Oh, no, exactly. And, and <laughs> you could see, and it was 150, I think, were the fans as far as the Sen side. But what a great life experience. And I do say, from Ann Lauer's standpoint, for the feedback of the people that went to Stockholm to be around the team, and not that it mattered or had to happen that they won both games, because I think the spirit of the group would have been the same, but it did help. And I think you're kind of feeling coming back like this is great. But the only thing I'll say from an Ottawa Senators perspective, it's awesome. It's cool. I think it's really neat to see the showcase for Alfie, for the Swedes, some of the other things, Justin. But you got to get focused back to your own market. And that is the part of, from an Ottawa Senators perspective, there's still a long ways to go to sell the brand locally, to get the game sold out, to kind of build along it. So, yeah, be curious to see what they do. But I'm also, and I put out on social media today, Justin, a very important question when it comes to people's health. How are we going to, and every one of the teams, when Ian Mendez was on with us, talked about having a sleep doctor. There were four different teams. Are we judging the sleep doctors on the results? Which, if so, I guess the Leafs and the Sens perspective, they would have been the best sleep doctors. Or is there a formula here, Justin, where you judge based on Sweden, but do you say, listen, let's also focus on the next month, the next couple of weeks here. How do you judge your sleep doctors, which I know you're very into? Yeah, uh, big sleep doctor guy. Um, yeah, well, I actually need one because I have sleep apnea. But um, so oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I, I think obviously they did a good job over there. Um, so <laughs> I think I think the next few games here we're going to see are they are these guys going to come out with some jump or or are they going to be tired? Um, I definitely do like the five day break though that they're going to yeah. have um, and and how the coaches set this up. But I definitely think that um, from Sunday to Wednesday let's say Thursday is a big, big important part to get that mm-hmm, sleep mm-hmm. and, and just be making sure you're eating properly and getting all the rest you need. Cause so just by not practicing doesn't mean you're resting mm-hmm. fully too, right? If you're out getting drunk or whatever, not that <laughs> the players are, but, but you know yeah. what I mean, right? So, so rest isn't just missing practice. Uh, and yeah. uh, so, so it'll be interesting. I got to think that these guys after two big wins that are going to be excited to play, uh, Friday, have some jump in their game mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and come out uh, ready to rip and tear. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think on Saturday night, be disappointed after a couple of big W's that all of a sudden with the Swedish boys that they didn't have a big old hoot. Now, as to what standard that means in today's athlete, I have no idea. I don't know if the guys went to the old cafe opera and had an absolute bender, uh, whether it was dinner, uh, the game wrapped up fairly early, whatever it ends up being. You know, there's a ton of people on the Sunday flights coming back. Now, I'm obviously going as a scout and I'm going to hang out, but I got to tell you, going over there, I never felt like I adjusted. Part of it was I would nap right away. Then then I would eat. Then, of course, you'd go to the game, you'd drink a thousand beers, and all of a sudden you'd have breakfast and sleep again. But I always found coming back, Justin, I was fine. Like it didn't really take much for me, but I'm not a professional athlete. And how do each of these guys react? And I guess there's a tendency for me to look at Tarasenko, to look at Giroud, to look at Hamannick. And I thought it was interesting yesterday on the optional of all people to be out on the ice with Travis Hamannick. And that to me might be a bit of the Yager mentality of, you know what, as an older player, I never want to be off the ice for too long. So how yeah. is everyone going to adjust to that? But I do like the break. I do like the mentality. But in the back of the mind, you go back six years to the Ottawa Centers 2017, yeah. It just wasn't there, but this is a better hockey team. It is a younger team. And as you said, I think they're feeling pretty good and there has to be. And I keep going back and we're going to play it at some time. I keep going back and Sens fans don't want to hear this, Justin, but you're going to have to watch the perfect storm. Okay. You're going to have to watch that in the next couple of weeks. You're going to have to read. Well, you don't have to read the book. One of the best books I've ever read, but I feel like the perfect storm and I, and I cut it yesterday and I'm not using it quite yet. But I'm looking at some of the stats here, and I'm feeling like a meteorologist. I should—I got to fire up my Doppler 500. But I'm looking at okay. You're kind of looking at where their their scoring is at at even strength. I'm kind of looking at the power play and the penalty kill. Then I'm looking at the schedule, and I'm just putting this all together magically. And for the perfect storm, it may sound like a positive for people that have never watched it, Justin, but for other people know the way it ended. Unfortunately, that's where I feel like the Sens are headed into. And I'm not here to be the Mr. Negativity, 
I'm curious how this is going to go because, like I said, it's feeling real good, but there are a number of signs that point towards this being a real difficult time for the Ottawa Senators come December and mega games the rest of the way and a ton on the road. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, I see the advanced stats uh, that they're bad in the expected goals. And then, but then I saw another one that countered that that showed them in the kind of top half of the league. So you never really know. The thing is, I have to, on some, on some of those graphs, Justin, because yeah, I'm a bit new to it, like yeah. some of them, I, I just assume I mean, based on what's said, like I see all the logos spread around yeah. and then I see the Auto Centers logo. And I'm like, well, I don't know what, you know, first of all, I think I got through, no, I didn't, maybe I got through high school math. I got through some of the different things here, but I'm assuming like, do I have to turn this upside down to read it? Is it right? (laughs) But I'm assuming that the Sens logo down by itself with some other shitty teams, that's probably not a great sign. So so my, my, my expected expectations on expected stats are not expecting very good things. No, no, but that, that's the thing is like, and then you find it one that that makes, suits the Senators even better. Oh, so yeah. uh, it's just funny how it works. I, oh. I got to think though, the stats early on in a year when you have injuries aren't always going to be reflective and some poor goaltending at cer- certain points aren't oh, going to be reflective yeah, 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 of, yeah. of what the yeah. team's going to do. That said, yeah. we do know it, it is a hard schedule coming, but I have, yeah. I'm have i a little more hopeful than those stats just because, okay. you know, we, we're hopefully going to get Greg back here. Hopefully going to get Shabbat back here soon. <laughs> and and the goalies are starting to play well, which is going to yeah. hopefully, you know, uh, now with five days off, are they going to come back sharp again? Uh, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard to say, but, but I don't think it's all uh, doom and gloom, but it, it's no. going to be tough on the guys here. And it's going to, we're going to see what they're made out of, you know, really it's, it's going to be up to the guys to show mm-hmm. um, that they're not going to make excuses for themselves. And they're going to go out there and compete and, and win some games and win some games that you shouldn't win either. That, cause I mean, that's what it's going to take, right? Um, you're going to, you're going to need to win the ones that you should plus win some that you, you shouldn't. I mean, it's simple. Oh, I but, feel like I'm but, back with JR when you talk about, you know, the goaltenders, you got to stop the stoppables and sometimes yeah, stop the yeah, unstoppables. Yeah. And, you threw yeah. in and this is a bit of the rally cry i heard a couple of wees in there so yeah. i kind of like that justin you got to get the boys going <laughs> yeah but it is from the sense perspective of looking to schedule how you feel about it how you feel and when you go to some of the charts and some of the things and, and this is the fun part i love the numbers and what has really happened in the last five years i think is really nice because i know it was a mega argument and when chaka khan took over arizona or whatever his name is jeremy chaka khan um you know he went all analytics and it was like okay analytics is the way to go and if you if you went against analytics well you're just an old loser like myself you're an old white guy over 50 you don't know what you're talking about pierre mcguire talk about the eye test I think it's really cool now. It feels like all the worlds have come together. The hockey people respect the numbers. The number of people respect the hockey. And then you kind of mix it all and say, okay. But the one thing I always have an interesting kind of take on, Justin, at the end of the day, goals above expected. When I look at this relative to stats and some of the areas where the shots are being taken from, I still have to go back to as a goaltender in my own mind of, okay, what was the actual look on that particular shot in a sense of, was it realistic that he got the complete shot off? Is he realistically a goal scorer? Like to me, there's a lot of factors that come into play. Like, like, like I think about it as a goaltender. Okay. I'll say this my entire career. And this speaks to how bad I was on a two on one. Anytime a guy went to pass the puck, I was a, it was an incredible sense of relief. I was like, oh man, that guy must not realize that if he shoots that puck right there, it's probably going in. So I actually felt pretty good. So I find that part interesting, but there is enough meat on the bone for all of it to mix together, to kind of look at, and even just some of the normal stats yeah. from the Auto Center's perspective. What are your special teams? One of the things that should favor you, if you're an Auto Centers fan, that goal differential is still awfully good. It's second best in the division next to the Boston Bruins. So you're trying to, and we're trying to analyze, we're trying to keep excited. We get into the doomy, gloomy, and the storm's coming. But I think it makes for now my point being some fun conversation versus, yeah. you know what, it's all about numbers yeah. or it's all about hockey. It's all about a nice mix of information. Uh, 100%. I think you, I think analytics are great for people that don't necessarily understand hockey sense as much um i think that uh, or maybe you don't even understand or never played the game and i i I don't there's no negative on that there's no negative on that no no i think there's guys that played the game too that don't fully understand hockey sense like we talked about that scouting too so uh everyone is good at certain things within the game um Mm -hmm. but yeah so i think that's there plus it just is a great reference to see if you're on Mm -hmm. the right track or not and maybe you have to look harder at some other things um I definitely like, I like 
that stats are, and, and it was always probably trending that way. If you kind of had some foresight that mm-hmm. stats need to show like advanced stats need to show mm-hmm. like the little effects on the game. So those 50, 50 battles, all those puck battles, like, I mean, soccer, that's, that's one of the biggest events that's going right now for them is the, you know, who's winning those little duels. They call them, mm-hmm. we call them mm-hmm. battles in hockey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause that, cause that just quantifies something at the end of the game. You know, um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the, you have game ratings in soccer, which I think eventually we'll have more of that in, in the NHL. And that's just all your little, little, little plays adding up or mm-hmm. bad plays adding up, um, you know, including goals and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, I definitely see the value in it. Um, you, mm-hmm. I don't think you can be fully, fully, fully analytic uh, mm-hmm. because the game is just too different. Um, also, guy, guys get hot. Many things can change. You know, you even see in baseball this year, Guys, managers had like a pre-thought on how the game should go. We're going to pull our picture at this time, but don't let it be goes, further than the Blue Jays in the playoffs. Exactly, and that that goes all out the window when guys get hot because because there is an average, but guys d- leave that average, you know, to go to be better or worse, right? So that's why we have slumps. So if we have slumps, we're also going to have guys that get hot. So that changes kind of. Mm-hmm. Everything. So, um, so I, I love stats, but, uh, you definitely have to have the eye test. Now when both match, then you're probably in the money. Yeah, I agree. And it is fun. And when you talk about that as well, one of the things, again, for myself trying to get my head around, and that is a great stat. And that is the understanding of the Ottawa Senators. When you talk about ball possession, I look at puck possession. And one of the big things that happens, and you're getting a big smile on your face coming across because you're probably a soccer expert. um, But it is really trying to figure out from an Ottawa Senators perspective, everyone mad about dump or chase. I'm still a little bit in the middle in the standpoint of I'm not sure that a lot of these players can survive without dump and chase because I don't think they possess the puck or the speed and it keeps going back to and one of my perfect storm stats, which is not very good. Unfortunately, what's reversed from last year being a one t- one basically a, a one line team of Stutzler, Kachuk and Drew. Now it's actually Joseph Stutzler and Drew who ended up being the one line and mm-hmm. after that. I don't know what suits and this is part of what we talked about yesterday. Justin is a draft philosophy. You got a lot of mix of different players and talented players on the Ottawa Senators, but I can't necessarily tell you that they're exactly a team that's going to possess the puck and come up and down the ice together in five-man units. I'm not so sure they have the personnel for that. No, no. I I mean, I got to think like, you know, you should be able to possess the puck on the cycle a little better. Um, You have some decent-sized guys, guys that have ability to hold on to that puck in patience. So. Mm Um, down in their own zone, I would like to see that. And when they do, they they look good because their D can activate a little mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. creates creates some mismatches in the own in the offensive zone. Um, in the neutral zone is where sometimes you you would like them to possess the puck and or shoot shoot in a little better and be mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm. smarter on that. Um, now they do lack some speed at times, not speed, but like guys that carry the puck with speed at times, um, which is fine. I think as long as the other guys on the line support them. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. that's something that I, I don't always see is giving an option to the guy uh, that has the puck and, and just allowing him to make a simple play to you. And it could be a quick give and go. It could just be mm-hmm. a guy to a different guy in space. That's coming up the ice. Um, I just don't see that as much as I would like this. Yeah. And, and the best teams do it. Um, but a lot of teams don't. So I, I guess that shows how hard it is to do in the NHL. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I definitely would like to see that. And I, and I think that's, that's a coaching philosophy as well. So, um, if you haven't had to do it for the last three years or four years, then why would you be doing it now? Right. So, yeah. um, I think, I think that that would, that would be, it's, it would be rigorous in practice to get used to that. Um, but I think that would all be like controlled scrimmage, watching good teams, how they, um, give passing lanes open to Mm -hmm. the puck carrier and just kind of learn some things from the better players in the league and that, that do do it. Yeah. It's curious because I'm not so sure on that when I go through and I don't have this written down, but in the, in the top of my mind, I look at the auto centers and number one line for me right now, love my hands going today, ends up being Stutzla uh, ends up being right now, basically Joseph and drew. So now we get into the muddy, the muddy middle. I actually think the fourth line at times has not been bad because of some of the speed you have on Sharche where you run into a problem. I have no idea what to make of Robbie Yarventi at this point. He's just kind of here. He's going, he's a young guy, but baby face young guy. 
guy. Well, yeah, but the combination of Kubalik, who I also have no idea what this guy does mm. other than look the part, and then Batherson, somebody said it's a sophomore slump, soft being S-O-F-T, I don't see it there. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think Brady could chuck Josh Norris and Tarasenko are capable of that. Tarasenko's mm. not at that spot in his game. He needs to be brought into the offensive zone, make plays, and for Norris and Kachuk, Brady is very powerful down low. But as far as straight line speed with traffic, he's no. not great. And then trying to hold on to it. So, yeah, it, no. we'll see how it evolves. But yeah. I'm not so sure they're built that way. The balance is on the triangle line, the fourth line, the second and third line. I'm not so sure. But this is certainly where uh, a Ridley, Greg, and a Pinto coming back into the well, fold. Then I can see where you're talking about a whole 100%. different mix of a hockey yeah. club. And, and, and I don't think they need to go like pure puck possession. I think... No. I, I love possession, but like I do think there is something about a smart dump making the defenseman turn and feeling mm -hmm. uncomfortable and getting yeah. in on them. You know, a guy like Brady can do that. Um, I do like Tarasenko, though. He kind of, you know, he, he can be heading up the ice, pull the puck back uh, and get it to the far side in the neutral zone. Yeah. He does have that awareness. I think he's he's good. Decent down low. Um, he played on that St. Louis Blues team, like maybe one of the best cycling teams we've yeah. seen in a while. Um, so... I, but I, I think it's just not natural for them, um, mm -hmm. and, and it's something that you really have to work on and and focus on if you want to do it. I think I, I do think it becomes innate in you when you do do it because you just realize the game's a lot simpler whenever you do give puck support. It's just oh, like sure. it, yeah. you know, it's so much easier. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see here. Uh, I think with Greg and. Greg and Pinto in the lineup, they're a much different team, especially. And then you have Shabbat on the back end that can transport the mm -hmm. puck out. Um, it, it, it is a big difference when those yeah, guys are Yeah, it'll be a playing. big difference. I, I want to go, go back and touch on uh, your thoughts on Hockey Sense because to me this has always been an incredible, and you touched on, it's a huge one for me. I mean, that's one of the things I think in learning it's to everything. scout, being around. You can go to games now, and at least when I first started, I'd make some of the jokes there. You know, you really have no idea what you're watching. And then I'm not sure if it's just over time and seeing what works and doesn't. And I go back to say, I'll go Rico Fata uh, for old school people <laughs> and being around. And again, this is just your starting out. And I remember going to watch him play with the London Knights and I'm watching him and this guy's flying around and he's making things happen. And you're like, okay, I see a great athlete. And then there used to be a joke we used to, I think it was even the London coaches. We went into their locker room afterwards and I think we'd had a couple of pops and then someone drew out the, you know, pulled out the board there, the dry erase board and said, here was Rico's shifts today. And he just grabbed a marker and just basically went all over the ice, every piece of the ice to kind of understand where he had gone. And that yeah. was basically Rico Fata. And that yeah. is a part of, and I'll use Alex Vorm Formanton, because I think it's a great example of when I watch an Alex Formanton, I think there's everything in place other than incredibly natural hockey sense. And it's not terrible, Justin, yeah. but enough to be a star versus being a real good player. Well, and and the theory on that, when we used to have Dave Poulin on, one of the things he thought was, well, if a guy's a great skater, he doesn't have the same hockey sense at the lower level, but he's able to overcome that. Yeah. I'm not so sure on that. I've always thought that it is really hard to, that, that that's something that is basically a gift. I don't even think it's taught so, at the end of the day for players. Yeah. yeah so I, like, in, let's talk about Formington. Um, yeah. I think he has hockey sense, but not overly creative. If that, so there's kind of like two different yeah, he doesn't sides. Have vision is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's no, yeah. so, so he has hockey sense in positional um, managing puck, but, but is he going to give you that, offensive creativity and vision that you want uh out mm -hmm. of a high-end guy no so so is he perfect to play second third line move up your you're in your lineup if yeah. you had to um he had and fill a role um 100 and but then you have a guy like chris Kreider, who arguably formington was better than chris Kreider in the nhl at 20 years old or 19 years old mm -hmm. and then he figures out a way to score what he score 40 or something so, so he scored 50 uh, yeah 50 yeah exactly and played hard so that's that's kind of where i pictured formington mm -hmm. hoping to get to as he got stronger yeah. um and that's kind of just the difference but chris Kreider doesn't have a high-end vision by any means he just yeah, yeah. he knows he knows what he is uh figured out what he is is in good positionally most of the time but doesn't have that vision so um, the, the kind of the two different sides of hockey yeah. sense is your positional awareness versus, versus the ability to see, see the ice with the puck. Um, and, and I think that you can learn a little bit over time, but, but it, it is a lot of the time. It's just, it's so natural in you. Um, yeah. and, and, and different things like, you know, goal scores, you know, people say, 
talk about Brett Hull and you hear Gretzky say he was one of the smartest guys on the ice because he, how he played smart was just finding the soft areas, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And a guy like Mark Stone was super good at just all the little things. So there is differences in hockey sense. um, Mm -hmm. And, and it just kind of, if you have it all, then you're obviously yeah. going to be a star. Well, but. yeah, and it, it, this is a fun debate. You just mentioned, and you talk about different players in comparison. Brett Holt was smart because he never did anything else other than score goals. Now he was really smart, and you, I, I'm joking, but you yeah, go yeah. watch him. It's him in St. Louis, him and Shanny, and I was scouting them with Phil Housley. Like, man, you know, he never even met his own goaltender, but he was still a smart hockey player. One yeah. of my comparisons back to the old Caps days, Peter Bondra had the least amount of hockey sense I've ever seen on my planet. He was uh, or on the planet, and he was trying to find his way, guys goes on to score 500 goals now when i look at alex formington and you make some great points for first of all he had evolved and doing some different things but one of the versions on the ottawa centers right now is a guy like joseph who i don't care how he played a couple of years ago he was playing on the right side as kind of a power forward he switched to the left side now he's playing with pace but he's playing with purpose and i didn't even see that two years ago so to me that's an improvement but the poster child for a lack of hockey sense. And this is the one where you don't want to go down this path because Kreider, as you said, a couple of things, I think he's figured it out, yeah. but I think in having an elite centerman that can get him the puck at that same spot, his 100%. goals are all the same thing, right? He yeah. hits a hole. The puck is there. It's in the net. The yeah. guy that is the dumbest hockey player on the planet that you just bang your head and you'll see flashes in the preseason. Our good friend, Josh Anderson, just down the road in Montreal. This is the tease of guys. And I'm sure you watch him in junior yeah. and you saw a little in Columbus and I'm like why are they trading this guy and then again this preseason Josh Anderson is going to have a breakout mm-hmm. season hey Josh Anderson comes into camp he's faster than everyone he's shooting the puck well he nothing happens and then all of a sudden he gets a bit tired the season starts to me he may be the poster child Justin yeah. for a guy and, and I'm not faulting him no no I'm no not faulting 100%, 100%. Him. And, and this is where you can't get mad either it's not a lack of effort he just has no clue as to what he's doing as a physical player and just about anything else. And the term that will be used, and this was on my report card when I was in kindergarten, did not play well with others. That is basically what a person that has hot no lack of hockey sense that's on their report card right yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, you got the <laughs> horse blinders on, uh, but it's, but it's like, if, if those guys can become effective players if they understand what they are and have some self-awareness and then, and, and use that to their advantage, like knowing, okay, I'm not going to be passing the puck here and making great plays, (laughs) but I'm going to go to the net every, every time. And I'm going to go hard. And my centerman's known he could at worst, he could just throw it on net and I'll be right there for the rebound and hopefully jam something in. Uh, uh, and but not a lot of guys understand that they want to be more, um, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes less is more. Um, and that's yeah. what, like credit to Chris Kreider, like he he was a good player, but he's became a, a much better player because he was aware of what he really was. And I think Formington yeah. was on the on on the that path. And um, it just sometimes it takes time. Some guys never figure it out either. Yeah, no, and, and to your point, hey, first of all, on Kreider, I don't find him to be physical at all. He's not a power forward. One of the things I can still remember with AV talking about, listen, Kreider and Zibanejad have to figure it out. Do they want it? And I think they kind of went hand in hand. Mika became an elite player. I won't say quite star, but pretty darn close. Yeah. And those plays yeah. that he made, and then that dynamic duo, it's almost back to Joe Thornton and watching Chichu, and you say to yourself, man, if you can write the, find the right thing. And then the other thing, and I think this is a Rick Nash syndrome, you can come in as a power forward that's fine and you're going to go hard to the net justin when you do get paid and realize and forgot like josh anderson all the injuries he's had that's no fun and the world we're in now and we were in it before but even more with the salary cap everything we do in quantifying a player's value now has to have an attachment of their salary right i mean we're not you know this isn't one of those ones where everyone's making 250 and you're like oh you know what i'm so happy for what he's bringing to the table and, and people use that in justifying batherson sometimes and i'm like okay I appreciate, and of all people, Kent Hughes as a general manager in Montreal did his contract. But at the end of the day, you still have expectations at five and a half million bucks on who's going to do what to end up winning a hockey game. So I think it's a healthy conversation, and I'm sure you've had the same. And for people listening out there inside the war room, you know, it is one of the biggest conversations you end up having because eh, I use the reference to some of the guys I played with in the past that were man people in the junior level. And then you try to figure out why didn't it work later? Well, the hockey sense just didn't match up. They were no longer able to physically dominate as they got in playing against men. No, 100%. They, like, 
and that's the thing. Your your local guy in that area is going to see them more, and they're either going to like them a lot more because they're how hard they play every day, or yeah. they're going to hate them because they see the hockey sense is not there. And then you know another guy comes in, and and then it all it just depends on that game that they're seeing because you can mm-hmm. see flashes of it at times, but it's it's just not innate in them. Um, mm-hmm. and and usually the ho- the guys with hockey sense are maybe a little less developed at a, at, at the same age, but end up going by them uh down the road mm-hmm. be, just mm-hmm. because they understand the game and then and then their physicality uh, and physical abilities catch up to um the player that was you know had a physical who, advantage but a little more stupid who's the uh who's the smartest hockey player you've ever been around would it be alfie was it well, carlson i mean those Al- are some you know Alfie, you're talking right I, there yeah i mean those are some of the best i i, I mean i'm just love mark stone on the way he mm-hmm. plays uh, oh, for, God, a guy, yeah. for, for a guy that doesn't skate well um you know Pavel Datsuk just a brain Elias Pedersen I think is so smart mm-hmm. the way he plays he just does when when you do things that other guys in the NHL aren't doing you're just on a whole other level you know mm-hmm. um and, and that it's just a treat to watch uh yeah so th- like right now Elias Pedersen's my favorite watch probably in the league um for a forward um yeah now, and, now and the you- whole team you can watch because uh, Quinn Hughes <laughs> is just on a mission right now and and it just plays so smart and so dynamic with the puck um, but he's always, he's always moving, creating lanes. He's always, there's always, you know, and, and Sanderson does that where I think Shabbat stopped doing that as much. He became more static in the way he plays. I know he takes the big loop defending in that, but he's, mm-hmm. you know, on the power play, he's more stationary where you got to be moving. Now guys are so good. You got to be moving, creating lanes for the pass or the open, uh, or the, create an open lane. Um, mm-hmm. Kucherov, I mean, there was a power play goal the other day, um, Tampa Bay just snapping it around and Kucherov, there's not a, uh, not a great skater. doesn't play the game necessarily fast, but it's obviously a genius on the ice mm-hmm. as well. Um, so it just all depends. Um, there's, there's lots of guys, but it's uh, those, you really notice it on the guys that maybe not play at top speed all the time, but they still yeah. find a way to be the most effective guys on the ice. And if the puck follows them around, they got to be in the right places um, and have some hockey sense. Yeah, I agree. And and the other part in today's game, and I don't think it it's different 30 years ago. You talk about slowing the play down. There were lots of slow players, the guys that can yeah. do it nowadays. And I remember going to watch Alfie and, and again, you're trying to figure out how good is this guy? And I don't remember what angle I was sitting at, but his anticipation to read the play. And I thought, okay, well, the guy's not the fastest player in the world. He'd come through the neutral zone and he's a couple of steps ahead. He'd end up with a takeaway where you're like, how is that possible? And then with Mark Stone, it was quite simply that the ability to read read the game and this is also something that pool used to touch on which i do agree for the guys with the lesser legs at a lower level you have to be smart you have to anticipate the game your brain and is a gift at the same time but otherwise you're not going to make it so you're right a real treat to end up watching that wanted to touch on just from a league standpoint because it is fairly quiet in sense it's just waking up this morning and i will focus a little bit after this on some of the positive things what's been a bigger shit show this year eliminate expectations take away because i know certainly the edmonton oilers were looked at to be a stanley cup possibility i think a lot of people cheering hoping for Connor mcdavid but in what has happened there and standings and coach and everything else what is a bigger shit show though the edmonton oilers or the columbus blue jackets who have turned into on a hundred different levels and this isn't just this year with mike babcock uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets have just turned into a complete gong show uh, in both the on-ice product and what's uh, been happening to them off-ice. Yeah, it, it, it's been interesting. I mean, that's what happens when you probably give big contracts to guys that don't necessarily care. Um, and the, and and having one of those guys on your team being dragged into it because you have good leadership is fine. Uh, I, I think they, they excel at times. But having a bunch of guys like that, it's yeah. tough. Um, and then, you know, the whole Babcock fiasco it would have been wild to see Babcock there because he would have had no time for this, this crap. And, oh, my um, God. No, you know, no. But, it's all about but, him. So if it's going uh, sideways, then he'd be straight out the door. Yeah. And then, hey? uh, yeah. And then, like, Kent Johnson being sent down. I, like, I, I like I like stuff that Columbus does. I really do. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. and then you know, I, I get what they wanted to do with uh, Johnny Goudreau, um, because he's a big name coming into a U.S. market that really doesn't yeah. get big names. But I mean, it's just been a disaster there. Um, it's it's Edmonton's also. It's just been it's just been going on and on. And like you know, <laughs> you see last night just the big circle back for McDavid. And I don't want to be the guy calling out McDavid by any means, but it's it's he's got to bear down and just 
be be the best two way player he can be <laughs> and lead yeah. with lead with that. Unfortunately, um, I mean he's the most talented player in the NHL. Um, yeah. But at some point, you have to you know be the number one guy on your team to lead with by example. Um, and he does do it at times, but it needs to be more constant. Um, and, and just Oilers hockey, you know, up to nothing <laughs> back to two, two, yeah. they've scored a goal up three, two, got to give them one. Now we'll give them another. It's just, it's classic for them. Yeah. Um, it's a longstanding joke, uh, with my buddies, even it's just, it's, it's tough to watch because you know how good he is. You know how he should mm-hmm. be in the playoffs. It's great for the sport if he was, um, and, and they just can't figure it out and, and they probably hired the wrong coach. Um, but I, like, I, I would have thought any veteran coach would love to go in there and, yeah. and work with Connor McDavid. And they just kind of went with a guy that was doing average in the AHL. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was his buddy. And, and, and uh, I, I, one of the, one of the things, Edmonton, it, right? I, I guess, but if you're a coach, you got to have more than 12 inch neck. Don't you agree? <laughs> like one of the things about being taken seriously, like if the guy's coming over to me and I don't know if you go with a turtleneck or you do something different, but the 12 inch neck, I'm just not feeling as he comes over to talk mm-hmm. and to the Edmonton Oilers in Columbus, a little bit of a mix. One of the things, and we saw this in auto for years, Justin, to have a really good shit show. It can't be just about the on ice product. We, we can't yeah. talk about the Edmonton Oilers having no goaltending. Uh, yeah. We can't talk about Darnell Nurse and other players. It has to extend to Jeff Jackson being brought in as a president, and Jack's a great guy, but he's Connor McDavid's agent. We can't talk about that unless you have Connor Brown, who's brought over. For some reason, they decided to dress him for his 10th game, so he gets his $3.25 million bonus. I'm like, what the hell was that? And that's going to yeah. count on the cap next year. Then you have Knobloch come in, and it's almost like Connor McDavid's now getting embarrassed to the point of, this is uh, supposed to be worked all around me. This is actually making the situation worse. And then we'll go over to Columbus and the whole Babcock thing. But I also think, and again, Yarmulke Kalainen, sharp guy, been around the game for a long time. They've only won one playoff round. And that round was when they end up trading for Duchesne. They trade for Dezingle. Mm-hmm. Okay, they won one round, which was an upset. Yeah. They haven't done they haven't done anything. And they've no, been in a constant rebuild. And the whole Johnny Hockey thing was as much a reaction as you said. Finally, somebody loves me. Oh, my mm-hmm. God, Panarin doesn't want to be here. Bob doesn't want to be here. Everybody else, you know, Dubois, now we're going to bring in. And I'm not a line A guy at all. And to your point of, if you want to build a ho- – first of all, I wouldn't have him based on the money. The guy's a one-speed hockey player. First of all, his dress code, that in itself, I'd have him off my team. I don't know if he's trying to be back to the future in the 80s or what he's looking at. But this whole thing of what they're building, and even the Russian fella from a few years ago where nobody even knew who he was in the draft, I was like, okay, I appreciate you stepping up once in a while. Do you think you could have grabbed this guy in the second or third round? Like, did you have to be that much smarter than everybody else to grab the guy in the first round? So as you said, some of the parts okay, but both of these situations right now, yeah, it's been nasty. And for Edmonton and I guess to Columbus to some extent, I don't know how it's going to end, Justin. The Edmonton Oilers are not a good hockey team. They're not going to make the playoffs. And now all of a sudden, where does this go in the next level? Like it is going to turn. Well, they both right now are absolute crap shows. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I don't know how this changes. Um, yeah. There's It's the superstars are going to have to bear down. I mean, that, defen- <laughs> that defense core can be yeah. on a, with talk about hockey sense um, for, uh, for defense, but that, Defensive core on Edmonton can be scary some nights. How can you watch uh, Dar- How can you watch Darnell Nurse? And, and I'm not even going to go down the Cody CC because we that, we'll just leave that one alone. Good local guy. Yeah. Uh, on the case of Darnell show. Nurse, like how could you pay a guy that when you watch him and understand that physically he is very capable, very good skater, and if you're going to turn him into a robot and you want to pay him six million bucks, that's fine. You're going to pay this guy to be an elite defenseman in the National Hockey League and tell me that that is going to be your anchor. Like when you look at when you talk about hockey sense, look at Elk. Elkholm compared to a guy like Darnell Nurse, right? And yeah. so that building block, then you look at the goaltending that's not capable. I guess I'm saying at the end of the day, there's teams that have a, a bad year, right? Tampa Bay in their whole cycle, they had their bad year. Then they came to roll back and won some Stanley Cups. The Edmonton Oilers, Justin, I don't see that in that case. I just think this thing, unfortunately, is probably going to lead to one of the big boys getting traded at some point. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, dry sales up. 
next after next year. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he'll want to do. And do either of those um, players look like they're having fun in Edmonton? No, and, and they, I don't mean having, I, I'm, not, I'm not meaning no I'm not meaning that Justin as get out of you know. And, and I don't even believe this whole Canada thing. I don't think Edmonton's a tough place to play. Actually, I think the media there wants them to do well. But you can also tell where just the negativity of being around. Like if you're a dry sidle and you live in Spain in the off season and you go through what you're going through in Edmonton and it's not climate. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying the city. First of all, the passion in that city is off the charts good. But do you imagine him and he's looking at a guy like Matthew Kachuk and seeing the life that he's having in Florida? How would you not look at that and say, I've done my time. I did my entry level. I did my extension. Yep. Now, you know what? Nothing personal against you guys. And this doesn't have to be Chris Pronger 2.0. But man, wouldn't that be awesome to be living in South Beach right now? We lose a hockey game. I talk to the one reporter who's never played hockey. And then I just go home. Like, how could you not look at that and say, oh, and on my tax bill here, I'm actually not paying state of tax as well. No, uh, I agree. Um, I guess that's what you got to weigh if you want to win a cup in Canada, where you would just be an absolute legend for life. Does that, that really matter, Justin? Does that really uh, like, like might, at the end of might, the day, like, like, like Leon Dreisaitl when he's when no, his career is over? Might not, but yeah, yeah. It, it might not. But to some people, it, it would, and yeah. and, yeah. and you got to decide that. Um, I mean, having Gretz around obviously is probably going to be the last thing to keep these guys around. Um, yeah, it's it's but. Gretzky left. Everyone can leave. So, um, oh yeah. And I, it, I, as far as the legend stuff, it, like I said, I, I just don't really. The, you know, when you look at winning the Stanley Cup now, I look to a market like St. Louis and how incredible this has become over the years. And early on, had lots of friends that played there and settled there. Buddy Jimmy Montgomery married a local girl, and I kind of understood there. There's something going on here. We have seen so many hockey players from the Browns, Kachucks, people have come along. I would say, and now St. Louis, anyone that's ever been there understands, it's a lot like Canada. It's a lot like an Ottawa, bigger version. It's a great spot. Well, those guys that were on the St. Louis Blues that won a Stanley Cup, to me, I'm going to argue that their legend within the St. Louis area is almost as big as being in Canada. Point being, I think if you're in the right market, you win a Stanley Cup. Okay, it would be cool if it comes back to Canada after not coming since 1993. But I don't think there's many of the guys sitting around saying that. More of them are saying, listen, and I guess this is the, the whole theory of, do you really want to win so badly, Justin, or are you almost afraid of losing? And I think for yeah. people that play in Edmonton and play in some of the Canadian markets, I'm more afraid of the negativity than I am necessarily excited about whether we go to the promised land. I just can't imagine that it's going to be another year and another 70, well, not quite 70, 65 games where I got to answer all this bullshit because we're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. It's not a good look. He must just be hating his life completely right now. Um, <laughs> and uh, but a little adversity maybe makes these guys better in the long run. Um, yeah. What, you what's been your look. what's your big? Uh, let's just go positive surprise. We'll talk about this a little more tomorrow yeah. uh, or Thursday as we're setting up some of the things. Is, is there one team that you've been pointing to? Uh, I know Boston last year, and and you were quick to bring this one up with Florida. So maybe I've yeah. already answered your yeah. question. But I was like looking after last year, and I'm thinking, okay. Vegas, how are they going to come out? I'm not sure. It seems like a party nonstop. I thought what happened to Boston, there could be a bit of a hiccup. And I thought, wow, good for Jimmy Montgomery. You look at the numbers of Swayman and Ulmark. But the one that you pointed out last week, and that being the Florida Panthers out, Montour and Ekblad, has that one ever snuck up on myself? Not you, but yeah. would that end up at the end of the day being your biggest surprise after last year's run? Yeah, I mean, not not like a big surprise, but I just think they're playing really, really well. I mean, I was mm -hmm. I've always been a, a Washington fan, but this year I just didn't think they had enough, and they're they've been mm -hmm. playing well. Uh, Flyers have been playing well, and their bat their stats actually their advanced stats have been showing that as well too. Um, it's it's funny. Um, things happen quick in this league now, and especially with 32 <laughs> teams. Uh, I mean, you're looking at some teams that aren't in the playoffs and you're like, oh shit, like that's, you know, um, the Jordan Binghamton has been playing well, giving the St. Louis blues a chance a little bit here. Um, yeah, like, but my, my team that I actually have picked to win the cup from probably five games in, uh, on my bet with the Rangers and they seem to be, okay. uh, full steam ahead. So the Rangers and, mm. and Panthers are the two teams I really like in the East, Eastern yeah. Conference. Um, where, where are your thoughts on favorite teams here? And, oh, no, no. I, I like your answers. And, and and the Rangers, again, I this is all by, based on expectations last year. I mean, they made the Tarasenko and Kane trade. I thought there'd be a lot more of a letdown for them. So I give credit. Yeah. Peter Laviolette feels like your classic. And again, I don't mind recycling coaches. He yeah. feels like he's been recycled. Now, nobody has a better pouty face. Nobody's been losing their hair for longer than Peter, but he gets there early. 
and he seems to have some results. So can't say enough yeah. again. And, and I, as far I, as Florida, I wasn't believing in Florida. I really thought that when they kind of, you know, smoke and mirrors to get into the playoffs last year, I just looked at the entire group, Justin, and that that is for sure my biggest shocker. I just thought, you know what? It's not going to work there. Matthew yeah. Chuck pulled them along, pulled them along in the first round. Now you come back yeah. the following year, and with the injuries they had, you know, full marks to Paul Maurice in that group. That that has been a really, really pleasant surprise yeah. with the way they've gotten out of the gate. They kind of they kind of just their back end is interesting how they build that. Um, you know, Eckblad yeah. just came back, but they got the kid uh Mikola from uh, St. Louis, who's a big guy. They kind of just fill in the back end with guys um, that just play simple and get the pucks up to the to the forwards and let them go to work. Uh, Sam Reinhardt's having a big year. Um, mm-hmm. Sam Bennett will drag you into the fight. So they, they got some good pieces I really like. And then Barkov is obviously a guy that can match up against pretty much any centerman in the league. So um, and then you have Bob playing well uh, too. So that that makes a big <laughs> that makes a yeah. big difference. Uh, but it's funny there. You look at uh, Boston with twenty three goal differential. Um, you know Panthers being at eight next, and and funny enough, the Sanders tied with the Panthers at eight as well. Um, yeah. And usually that 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 ends up being a, a stat that you know, comes close to what the standings are by the end of the year. So I think that's one positive for the senators. Um, yeah. And then it's funny to see the flyers and the capitals though, ahead of the hurricanes. I think the penguins are coming. <laughs> yeah. um, the devils are, you know, maybe struggling with some goaltending issues. So, um, and, and when, in terms of the Rangers, I, I, they're young guys. I thought we're going to take a step and mm-hmm. the Frenier is taking that step. Uh, Heidel's hurt, but Kako's been yeah. better. So yeah. and that, uh, is it will, I can't never say names properly, but Coley or um, yeah, he's been, he's been good for them. So they kind of have a a little mix of uh, old and older and younger. And uh, I think it's working for them in the regular season. We knew it would probably work for them, whether it come playoff time, they can, uh, they can play hard enough to do that, but they got the goaltending. So, and and the good back end, I think so. um, Yeah. And it ends up being matchups last year. The devil's just too fast for them. So, Hey, depending on the season, you've got Shesterkin, you've got opportunity and you go through each of those clubs. I agree. And here's, and again, going into the season, I told you Tarasenko, no good. I told you, Joseph, they should get rid of, so forget it. But when I look at, first of all, a couple of the teams, Philadelphia Flyers, no chance. I don't see it. I know that the numbers, I know they're working hard, but this is no, just my 100%. prediction hard in November. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a, a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. I'm looking at Ovi, and he's tracking for about 30. Curious to see how that ends up going for those teams. But I go back to, and this is almost from a sense perspective, because as we focus, Justin, often within the market itself, and we talk about distractions, and we talk about with the Ottawa Senators of how difficult it was with all of a sudden ownership coming in late. You had Pierre Dorian, you had Pinto. What do you think the Boston Bruins have had to deal with? And do you think they have any excuses? No, let's, let's go through a little checklist of what happened. Last year, after setting a record in the National Hockey League, you lost out to the Pittsburgh, to the <laughs> Pittsburgh Panthers. You lost out to the Florida Panthers. Your captain and one of your greatest leaders of all time retires. David Krejci decides to retire. You run into not a lot of injuries. I won't use that. But all of a sudden, you have the Milan Lucic situation. And again, very early into that part of it. Have there been any excuses from that standpoint of what the Boston Bruins have done, led by Brad Marchand? Not a chance. They've come out. They played properly. and They played great. And that's the neat part set by Bruce Cassidy, carried by Monty, and kind of what's happened with the Boston Bruins. So for me, and hey, always yeah. a shout out to Bruce Cassidy in Vegas. Yeah. But that's the one I look at, and I thought, you know what? That could have set up where Monty starts slow. All of a sudden, Jim Montgomery, the Boston Bruins, there's pressure in the market and a coaching change. And now after winning the Jack Adams, and I want Monty to win a cup, he's such a good guy, Justin. But I look at that circumstance and say, you know what? There's just nothing from the top there. The only thing that they want in the Boston Bruins is winning. And I know behind the scenes, it can be a bit of a crap show there as well. But I do like at least the standard of no excuses on injuries, guys retiring, things that are happening. We got to go out and do a job every night. And man, oh man, are they doing that to a T. And that's the culture brought down from Bergeron, Chara. Well, that's a that's a player culture right there. Um, that team, there's you know no excuses. This is the way we play, and once you learn that style, you're, you're it just becomes innate in you. Honest, honestly, you see it often. Um, and those teams like the Kings, it's the same thing. So um, yeah. Boston, and they had two good goalies. Um, if they added, you know, a, I, I don't know their cap space, but I got to think they have some. If they add a, a another piece at the deadline, mm-hmm. I mean, they'll just yeah. be absolutely scary. 
Yeah. Well, they sure added a lot last year at the deadline. Unfortunately, yeah. I, I didn't think it was over adding. I thought it looked great, yeah. but that's the way the National Hockey League works. Yeah. I know a lot of people have tied it in, and I think one of the trade partners we're going to see is the Calgary Flames. That could yeah. be for the Boston Bruins side, but the big question, and not that Calgary would be looking, yeah. uh, would you ever flip out one of the goaltenders? Um, that's a discussion yeah. for another day. Tanev and Zadorov would be good ads for yeah. any team yeah. looking to make a cup run. Yeah, exactly. And they ended up with Orlov last year, did a lot of different things, and I thought was fine. But hey, uh, even with those losses of Orlov or Bertuzzi, some of the other things, uh, they had played great. Anyways, that was a lot of fun for a Tuesday, just kind of a free-for-all. Uh, Sens yeah. again back on the practice ice. Not a lot of news from there. Timmy Stutzla, uh, a little maintenance day. Shabbat up on the wing. I think Kelly slid into his spot, so it's mixing around. I assume Shabbat won't be available for Friday. No, uh, Nothing new on Ridley Gregg, nothing new on Kaslik, anything else. So pretty much uh, what we saw in Sweden will end up being the lineup for Friday. Do you go with Corpus Allo or Forsberg? Who knows? We'll have a little fun with that probably talking on Friday. But enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, Justin. Great to catch up. And tomorrow on the show, our good friend, Mr. Michael Landsberg, a good friend of mine for many years with Bell Media. Uh, we'll have an opportunity to hop on with Michael. Will not be a whole lot of hockey talk. Going to be lots of mental health and uh, just an opportunity to catch up with one of my good friends. So enjoy the rest of your day. Great work as all, Justin. And uh, be careful in the snow. Hope you got the old snow tires ready to rock and roll, brother. Yeah, yeah I do not. <laughs> have okay, a good one. well, get them Cheers. on there. It's, yeah, no, no, here's the thing somebody asked me yesterday. If you have Ontario plates, do you have to have snow tires on when you're in Quebec after November 15th? Ooh. I don't I don't think so but I think Okay so it's it, only for I Quebec think, plates so they're not going to we 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 switch ours up over the weekend but the I question think came up hard on you though I I'm not okay. sure I'm not sure to So they honest. probably take yeah. your tires off and then just leave yeah. you there Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know what, uh, like, kind of in the Wakefield area, they always do a, a stop at the start of the year just to make sure everyone's yeah. checking and uh, they have their tires okay. on. So I'll yeah. probably head back to Shovel at some point here and get mine on. All right, get them done. Well, everybody enjoy right. a little. It was a little high noon hockey talk. Got to figure out my my got my intro kind of down. We're gonna figure out the exit. But anyways, honest everyone, have a great day. Fun to sometimes just get on, chat some hockey, get all over the place as far as send subjects, lead subjects, and look forward to talking to Michael tomorrow. Everybody enjoy. Have a great day. Over and out. Peace. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast Simmer Down with John Simpson on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.